everyone, and welcome to episode 428 of MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have a light crew this week. Krim, unfortunately, woke up not feeling well, maybe some food poisoning or something, so uh, he couldn't make it to the cast today. But we do have the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard, here. How are you today, Richard? Good morning, Seth. I have recovered from my cold, and then... Boy gotten allergies so i still oh. talk funny <laughs> it never it never ends yeah seriously i would dealt with my cold for like two weeks i'm finally i still have like a little congestion but boy i finally am feeling so much better but we have some interesting stuff to talk about today uh we're gonna delve into more march to the machines we got the full set now i want to get richard's opinion on uh on some of these cards see if these cards are actually gonna be good what they're gonna do we also had a super big and important standard tournament this weekend at dreamhack san diego the uh, RCQ for standard, and uh, I wanted to talk about this tournament a little bit because uh, there was a very, very interesting deck that ended up making some waves in this tournament that absolutely caught me by surprise and shocked me, so uh, that is the plan for today, talking a bit of standard and then talking uh, about March of the Machines. Before we get into that, though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit, and Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you ever get tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards, Card Conduit lets you skip them. You don't got to do all the typing and spend all the time and do all the work. With their curated service, you can send in as many cards as you want and pay just a 5% service fee. They don't have to have a buy list value of a dollar more, but still. And then if you want to put in a little bit of work on your end, you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which option you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with the results in a fast payment once your order is processed. And right now, you can even get another 10% off if you head over to cardconduit.com slash mtgoldfish. Card Conduit, they are the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic. Let's start with... Let's start with uh with standard. I, I think I just I gotta I gotta talk about this tournament because it was U.S. regionals. It was U.S. regionals, which is a big deal. This is like uh, qualifying. It's like a, a regional PTQ essentially. So the top sixteen qualify for the next Pro Tour. There's a thousand people there that took in uh, did well at like smaller qualifiers to make it there, and I think standards in a pretty good place. Like I've been really enjoying standard. Are you still enjoying standard, Richard? Uh. I don't know. I haven't played standard in a while. No. Okay. Because <laughs> the last time I played it, it felt exactly the same to, uh, as when I grinded like infinite standard matches. Uh, I mean, is it's, it, is it still the it, same? It's still kind of the same. Like it, it's the same, but like decks are reanimating Atroxa now, but it's still kind of mono white mid range, Esper legends, a bunch of like black mid range style decks, a little bit of toxic mixed in. And most of this tournament, was exactly that. If you look through the decks that did well, there's a lot of Rakdos mid-range, Mono White mid-range, uh, Esper Legends. Those are kind of the, the big decks of the tournament. But I was like on Twitter and I saw this like tweet about someone playing Blade of Shared Souls at this tournament. And I have a soft spot for Blade of Shared Souls. There was actually a video on the YouTube where I just tried to break Arena with the card because there's this janky combo with Rotodropic where you can use Blade of Shared Souls to like intentionally legend rule your own creatures and then if you get sushi, you make infinite treasures and infinite mana and infinite card draw. So I, I played this deck as like uh, an against odds deck, essentially, just trying to do like the re most ridiculous thing, hit the token limit. So I 
kind of forgot about it. It was really cool, but to me, it was like an against the odds deck that was just like, did a really spectacular, funny thing. So I was absolutely shocked to find out that not only was someone playing the deck at this tournament or a version of that combo deck, this is a little bit more of a like good for standard version that has like corpse appraisers and blood tithe harvesters along with all the janky combo pieces. But not only did they play this deck, they actually were the number one seed going into the top eight. They went 13 and one through the Swiss comboing off uh, 13, one and two draw or 11, one and two draws rather. They only lost once though through the Swiss comboing off off, making these ridiculous board states and I, I uh, they ended up losing in the top eight unfortunately but Richard I gotta know looking at this deck list like is this a real thing did against the odds uh, end up being like a real standard deck you can't go 11 1 and 2 and say it's not a real thing right like the yeah. record speaks for and it's not like 11 1 and 2 at three four person FNMs right it was a legit tournament so is it possible they just high rolled a lot? Maybe, uh, but the the record speaks for itself. So I think, I think the the ceiling of the deck is there right now. Will it win RCQ after RCQ? I don't know, but definitely you can get there, right? So I think uh, you're a genius, Seth. I think that's that's what this <laughs> is the conclusion is here. <laughs> I, well, you broke the meta without even knowing you broke the meta. <laughs> It's actually kind of funny because I didn't realize this. I did a little research into the person who was playing the deck and uh, apparently magic is such a, such a funny game. So I was playing this against the odds deck, but there was also like a discord that was apparently dedicated to trying to brew around the rotodrobic blade of shared souls combo. And they actually posted, uh, on, on their Twitter, like, 30 different brews of the deck. Some of them like super janky, uh, talking about how they eventually got to the build that the, that one of the members of the Discord played in the tournament. So it's really funny that like people all over the world playing the game have like really weird, unique ideas, but have the same ideas at the same time. So it's really cool to see just like other people working on that stuff. And it's really sweet to see such a like unique brew actually having success. Like that's the dream. If you're someone who likes brewing, the dream is you like have this crazy combo and you actually go and like top eight a RCQ with it. So it's really sweet to see uh, the dream coming true. And I bet we'll see people play more of this deck. Like when you look at the, the top eight or the top 16, I think standards very enjoyable just because the games are really interesting, but it's really more of the same. It's the same stuff we've been seeing for months and months and months now. So it's kind of exciting to see something that feels actually very new, kind of making waves as we head towards March of the Machine. So I'm hyped for it. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to try it on stream tomorrow, try this new build of it, but I, I had to give a shout out. Do yes. you need to know what you're doing to play this deck? Is everyone going <laughs> to pick it up and get slammed because it's like the most difficult deck to pilot? Or is it like, oh, no, you know, you just... One, two, three, done. <laughs> so, so once you understand the deck, it works in a very counterintuitive way. So if you just go into it in the dark, uh, you're probably going to have a rough go of it because a lot of the stuff doesn't make sense. Even we saw, like, I was watching the tournament yesterday and a, a lot of the announcers were like, wow, this deck, like, they knew, like, they're good magic players and they knew what's going on, but they're like, I, I couldn't play this deck well. I have no idea what's going on with the deck. So I think at first, you're probably going to have a hard time with it. The important thing to know is, like, a Blade of Shared Souls its purpose is to legend rule your own creatures. That is the whole synergy of this deck. And, and that's not something that's apparent at first glance. I didn't notice it during spoiler season. No one really noticed it during spoiler season. But that's the that's the synergy that you're going for. So don't think a Blade of Shared Souls is like 
whatever what is written on it think of it as two mana i get to legend or one of my legends which in turn is like making a ton of copies with radadrabic and doing all those shenanigans so once you get used to what blade of shared souls is trying to do in the deck it's actually not too bad to play. And this looks like a very good for competitive standard version. Like the build that I played for the against odds video was super like Mondrax and just all this stuff built to like, how big can we go with the deck? This actually looks like a reasonable standard deck with like a decent amount of good cards. So you can probably win some games just like a four color mid range deck, even without the combo, if you don't happen to draw it. But then you also have this ridiculous combo that can go from like an empty board into just like, literally infinite mana and infinite card draw out of nowhere so <laughs> i would definitely say practice it and get used to how it plays but once you get used to it it's it's really not too bad so speaking of standard though we got a new standard set that is just about to release march of the machines early access day is thursday swing by the the goldfish stream twitch.tv slash goldfish if you want to see some new decks in action but early access is thursday the set officially comes out next week and we got a ton more cards to talk about last week we spent most of our cast talking about battles but we got a lot of non-battle cards in the set too that we wanted to talk about so richard why don't we go through some spoilers uh, guide us through some new march of the machines cards all right, you can check out all the spoilers on mtgpreviews.com. Surely standard must be different this time around, right? There are like so many cards here. I'm still reading the text. So many words, yeah. <laughs> I mean, essentially take the number of cards in the set and then double it. All right, so let us jump into Elish Norn. Two white, white, three, five, legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor, Vigilance. When a source and opponent control deals damage to you or permanent you control, that source's controller loses two life unless they pay one. Two in a white, sacrifice three other creatures, exile Elish Norn, then return it to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control, activate only as a sorcery. The backside is the Argent Etchings. It is a saga. First chapter, incubate two, five... Incubate two, five times, then transform all incubator tokens you control. Two is creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain double strike until end of turn. Three, destroy all other permanents except for artifacts, lands, and Phyrexians. Exile the Argent Etchens and return it to the battlefield. Uh, so basically it becomes Elish Norn again. So much text. So much text. Is this so among all these words, is there a good magic card in there? I'm having a really hard time evaluating these new praetors because it seems like the backside is absurd. Like the backside is just gonna win the game most of the time. The front side though, like, is the front side even a playable card? I'm I'm really curious what you think about this one, Richard. So three other creatures is a lot. And it's a big also, number. four mana do nothing is a lot. What, what was that card I was terrified of playing in standard? Uh, the the other Elish Norn, five mana, right? Because like if you yeah. play it and they remove it, you are like so dead. <laughs> like the yep. tempo loss is too much. So my guess is this card sucks <laughs> because there's there's too many conditions. Like you need three other creatures, you need to do four mana three five, and then you need to untap, and then have all the creatures still be there sack it and then your reward is you just go slightly wide but like they can just wrath you or something like you know you it's not like wrath. an instant win after you do this right if you do all I mean, of this you probably win like if you manage to tick up the saga multiple <laughs> times you probably win right but it's so 
difficult. I, I guess you got to be a token deck. Okay, let's let, let, let's look at the other side. Let's uh, so that's the the downside case. The upside case is white and standard, and you know this from experience. Richard plays a lot of horrible creatures: ambitious farmhands, spirited <laughs> companions. They're the you naturally you, you naturally have a lot of stuff that you don't mind sacking, and then you can always get it back from the graveyard anyway with restoration of Vajano or whatever. There's like tons of ways to do this. So the three creatures, yeah, it's a big number, but in a world where white's playing all these dorks, and you got wedding announcement. Maybe it's not that bad. Seven mana total to do it right away kind of helps. Like, that's Atroxa mana. It doesn't seem unrealistic, especially with how white decks play in standard. Like, I've been playing mono white over the weekend just for fun a little bit, and every match goes, like, I don't even know. I've drawn 45 cards. The match is an hour long. Like, that's just how these decks play. So at some point, you're going to get to a position where you have seven mana, and you can just play and flip this all in one turn. That's very likely to happen in current standard. And then the backside, yes, you can get Wrath. But if you don't get Wrath, Lore Counter 1 makes 10 power across five bodies. Lore Counter 2 gives all that power, plus one, plus one, and double strike. If your opponent's not dead there, then you blow up all your opponent's stuff and start the process over again. So I I actually think, like, I think the card might be better than it looks. I think it, I, I think it fits with what White is already trying to do in Standard. And then the static ability, I guess, I don't know, probably super annoying against, like, Mono Red or something. Like, if you can't I mean, it, kill this. It's like children. Essentially, like even if it's not mono red, right? Like every time they hit you, they're gonna lose life unless they pay. So yeah. it's like this incremental thing. But I, I wouldn't like. Let's say there's no backside. I wouldn't play this card. No, no, <laughs> right? no, no, no. So I, I think it's too fair. Like this or Wandering Emperor. I think I'll just take the Emperor. Any of them, yeah. <laughs> right? Or uh, I don't know, like this or Sarah Paragon or whatever, right? Like. Yeah, that one's a lot easier I, to make work, oh. <laughs> right? So, like, yes, the, the upside is high on this, but I don't know if it's worth all these hoops. And the downside is bad. The downside is you, you play this on four, it dies, and then you got nothing. Or you just, like, okay. play it, you, you sack it, and then they farewell you, and then, like, it's all over. <laughs> or, yeah, or, I mean, you play it, you sack three creatures... And then they go for the throat it, like, in response to its ability when oh, you try to flip it. you could do it. that, like, too? So, oh, yeah. yeah. So there is there is definitely risk. I, I think I would play a copy in the, the mono-white deck I've been playing. I don't think it's a four of. It's not replacing Wandering Emperor or anything like that, Sierra Paragon. But I think I'd play one. I think I'd play one, and it would be let's, good. Let's say you're Orzov. Do you play this or another Shouldred? Like the... The probably, real children, probably, before we talk about probably the probably real probably real children but what about fixed children we we got a lot of okay. breakers what do you think about this fake one this children. one does something right away yeah five mana so three black black four five legendary creature phyrexian praetor menace when it etbs each opponent sacks a non-token creature or planeswalker uh five mana to transform only as a sorcery and only if an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard <laughs> That reads impossible mm-hmm. to me already. Mm-hmm. The true scriptures <laughs> one for each opponent destroy up to one target creature or planeswalker that player controls. Two each opponent discards three cards and mills three, uh, then mills three cards. Three put all creatures from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. Exile the tr- uh, true scriptures. Return it front side up. Okay, so so this one obviously the to get to the backside. 
you need you need quite a bit. Eight cards in the graveyard. That's a that's a high number, even though decks have Fable the Mirror Breaker, graveyards are filling, but that's still like a relatively high number. Compared to Elish Norton, though, this does give you a bit of like a, a revenous chupacabra style effect or something. Like five mana kill something. Non-token helps, right? So you're not just getting a wedding announcement token. Oh, no. Spirited companion. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 also true. There are some random dorks that don't mind being sacked. The backside, I guess, eventually is really good. Like the Rise of the Dark Realms mode is is pretty busted. The this other like, two lore counters oh, nine oh. mana suspend <laughs> eight million turns, Rise of the Dark Realms, <laughs> and then you have to give your opponent a graveyard, which we're all main deck and graveyard hate, <laughs> right? So you're just like cutting yourself off from that. This is nigh unplayable. Right? I would take a base like if you if you said like Richard. I'll give you a free card in hand. Do you want children or or, or, or basic swamp? I think I take basic swamp. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not as good as last shieldred, right? Like, it's not as good as close. last shieldred. Is this playable though? Like, do you think you could actually do something with this? I mean, there there are a lot of black decks in standard. Like, there's so there's homes okay, for it. Like despair. Yeah, that's that's kind of the problem. <laughs> like the decks that could cast this, why wouldn't you just invoke despair? And like how many five drops can you possibly play? And in decks that like have graveyard synergies, you might be competing with cruelty of Greeks in the five mana slot to try to reanimate your stuff. So I I'm gonna go with the Elish Norn thing. Like I could definitely see jamming one of these. I think these are very good one-ofs. Like, if I'm playing some black mid-range deck, one of these is probably fine. Like, you can maybe flip it sometimes. If you do flip it, it's probably going to win you the game eventually. But I don't know. This one, to me, doesn't look like a four-of or anything like that either. But I don't know if I would take a basic <laughs> land over it. That might be a bit I, 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 a I bit will too say much. that this is, like, the worst <laughs> format to play one-of. So normally your one-off doesn't matter. But since we're so grindy... And, like, every card matters. <laughs> like, drawing this beam card instead of a real card might actually cost you the match. Okay, let me let me ask you about one other Praetor. This is the one, when I saw this, I was like, okay, this is the best Praetor of the cycle. This card is legitimately good. And that is Urabrask. I'm surprised I'm saying this, because traditionally Urabrask is, like, the worst Praetor in every cycle. What do you think about this new one, Richard? What does it do, and right. is it actually as good as I think? Four mana, four, four, first strike. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, Urabrask deals one damage to target opponent. Add a red mana. Uh, red mana, exile Urabrask, then return it to the battlefield, transform. Activate only as a sorcery and only if you cast three or more instant and or sorceries this turn. The backside is one. Uh, the great work deals three damage to target opponent and each creature they control. Two, create three treasures. Three, until end of turn, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from any graveyard. Or you may cast instant or sorcery spells from any graveyard. If a spell cast this way would be put into a graveyard, exile it instead. Exile the great work and return it to the battlefield. Is this one good, Richard? If we have enough good spells, yes. Okay. <laughs> like, like, this is definitely, like, in some kind of spell slinger deck. Provided yep. we have, like, actual spell slinger spells i'm surprised they give you mana uh to easily go infinite or something right like i'm, I'm very surprised uh so yeah this that might actually be, be broken because it makes the mana if you can play this 
with one mana available and chain together three one mana spells, you can potentially flip it right away. I think the reason I'm hyped for it, like there's a couple of reasons, but one of them is it just seems like the easiest one to flip. There's no like sack three creatures, pay a ton of mana or whatever. This is only a single mana. And we've seen with Arclight Phoenix that casting three spells in a deck that actually cares about that, that's not a deal breaker. Like you can cast three spells if you want to. And then the backside, the last mode, the past in flames mode, I think that should be able to just win you the game. Like, if you do flip this, because uh, because it's going to be flipped back around to the Urbras side, how this is going to work in practice is you flip it once, you get to that last lore counter, then you get to cast whatever you want from everyone's graveyards, deal a bunch of damage with Urbrask, and then if you want to, you can immediately just flip it again that same turn, go back to the Anger of the Gods mode, hitting your opponent, starting the process over. So I think this is like an absurdly good spell slinger card, and... We'll see. Like you said, you got to have the right spells to uh, to make it work. What do you think about outside of standard? Could this show up in a literal like Arclight deck or something? Is there any chance or a storm style deck? Burgie's uh, three mana. It makes so mana like in a similar way. It is four mana is a lot. The, the, the Arclight comparison where it falls apart is Arclight. All you got to do is faithless looting it away and it does everything for free. This one, you do have to pay four mana to get Urbrask on the battlefield to start the process, which is that is a big difference. It, it reminds me, you know, back in the day when Storm was playable in Modern. And uh, if you, like, landed an Electromancer, you kind of win. But yep. you, it's, like, really hard to land the Electromancer, right? It's like, a, but it's that's like a two-mana creature. And your hopes is to, like, Electromancer and then combo off, like, immediately on the same turn. Because, like, there's no way you can pass it back and, like, try to untap with it. So my guess is four mana is, like, way too expensive. But... Is this body relevant? No. I'm like, maybe you just surprise people and go kind of mid-rangey and just like four mana, four, mean, four first strike and try to beat them down. And then when they're not paying attention, you combo off. But four mana, four, four first strike doesn't do anything in modern, right? So yeah. that's kind of useless. It doesn't even do much in standard with Shieldred running around. Like four fours line up really badly with Shieldred. And Anger of the Gods also not too hot right now. So like looping it may not save you <laughs> yeah three damage might not be enough although at least it's one-sided and it does hit your opponent's face too so what about like burn like that was the other place i was considering this what about like mono red like a burn heavy mono red deck in standard you already got played with fire lightning strike reckless impulse you got stoke the flame now could this just be like i don't know you play it and cast some burn spells and get some damage and every once in a while you're gonna flip it and it's gonna be sweet i think so I got to see the burn list, but they played like a lot of weird stuff that's not burned, like the <laughs> the the rabbit and the the rodent yeah, or whatever, right? So you would have to like change those. So it really depends on like how good the burn spells are, and with the asterisks of like you discount everything by one, right? But also, Shieldred right. is still here, so I don't know if we can sit around and wait till turn four and then burn people. But yeah, it seems like viable it seems like we can do it. it it might actually be broken right this is one of those cards that if it's like good it's probably broken and then otherwise yeah, I, it's probably not playable because we don't have like if we had lightning strikes lightning bolts shocks like this yep. would be really good but i don't know what, what do we currently have in i haven't seen like red burn in a while do we have anything reasonable 
So there, there is mono red that's like decent, but it's pretty creature heavy at this point. So I think, like you said, you'd have to cut down on, on some of the creatures. There's also a lot of spell slinger support, which is kind of unique. Like, uh, Monastery Mentor coming back to the format, Third Path Iconoclast, the new Brawl and Carry Zev that makes a Ragavan when you cast a spell. Like, so there are pieces to try to build spell slinger, but that would be a whole new archetype. Is it at least the best of the Praetors we've talked about so far? Like, yes. Elish Norn, Shielded, or Abrask? It's, it's got to be number one on that list, right? Yes. I, I, I think you can definitely make this work somehow. The other ones yeah. are kind of suspect. <laughs> this well, one is unique, right? Like, this, this would be integral to your deck if, if you put it in your deck, right? Well, speaking of suspect Praetors, what about the last... We talked about Jenga Taxis months ago. That was an early spoiler. What about Vorinclax? This is... Maybe the one that's, it's the lowest priced, I think, out of the new Praetors. Is this uh, one any good? Five mana, six, six, trample reach. One ETB, search your library for up to two forests, reveal them, put them in your hand, then shuffle. Eight, exile it, transformed, uh, activate only as a sorcery. The backside, the grand evolution, mill 10 cards, put up to two creature cards from among them uh, onto the battlefield. Distribute, uh, the second one is distribute seven plus one plus one counters among any number of creatures you control. Three is until end of turn, creatures you control gain, pay one. This creature fights target creature you don't control. Exile the Grand Evolution, then return to the battlefield. So, on one hand, all you need is mana. There's no, uh, no restriction. It's just like, make a lot of mana and you can flip this. So you don't need eight cards in the graveyard. You're going to sack stuff. You don't get cast spells. Five mana, six, six trample reach is not horrible stats. The backside is a little bit hit or miss. Like, uh, 10 cards is a lot, but there is some, there's some situations where you play this and like kind of hit a couple mana dorks and are pretty sad with the backside and it doesn't actually just win you the game like some of the other ones where it's like if you make it all the way through an Elishorn or Shieldred, you're very likely to win. Vorinclex, I could see you play it, you mill 10, you get back two creatures, your opponent casts removal, the second lore counter does nothing, and then the third lore counter does nothing, and then you're kind of sad. Is this is this playable, Richard? Eight mana is like way too much for a standard to flip. Eight mana is, and it's green, which is like the worst color. Like, in like standard, let's say, so. let's say Ulamog was in standard, and and this was like <laughs> five mana, and then eight mana flip, gain two Ulamog somehow. So like maybe Ulamog and something else that's not legendary. <laughs> Would you even play this? It's still a ton of mana. That's still, and there's still risk, like uh, the variants thrown in there. Yeah. And I the mean, fact that it doesn't ramp, like, it puts the force in your hands instead of the battlefield. Like, if it put it on the battlefield, then, you know, you, you might actually get there. It also yeah. suffers from the Doomblade problem, right? If you Doomblade in response to the trigger. Oh, right. They Yeah, they kind of all suffer from that problem, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, you pretty much lose the game. Like, if you pay eight mana to try to flip this and get Doomblade, I mean, Is this playable in Commander? Sad. That's where I'm really thinking. Is this good? I mean, probably not. It's <laughs> a lot it, of mana. The fact that it doesn't put the lands on the battlefield is, I think, what really powers it down in Commander. Like, I, I don't have much interest in getting two forests in my hand. It is notable, I guess, it doesn't say basic forests. So maybe there's, like, even in Standard, you could play this, get a couple triomes to fix your mana for an Atroxa a couple turns later or something. Like, so, I don't know. I This one actually doesn't excite me that much. Although... 
Five minutes, six, six, trample reach. But that's a body. That is uh, actually a, a reasonable body. If it doesn't die, it's going to die in standard because there's so much removal. But I don't know. I is it's this just so... as good as Elish Nord. <laughs> so if you somehow flip it, you win. But getting there is probably very challenging. <laughs> so Jenga Taxius, we already talked about this one. Five mana, five, five. When you cast a non-creature spell, mana value three or later, you draw a card, pay four, transform it. Only if you have seven or more cards in hand. Also has ward two. And then the backside... You draw cards equal number card in your hand, no maximum hand size as long as you control it, bounce all non-Fraxian creatures, and then you cast any number of spells from your hand without paying their mana cost with the third lower counter, then you flip it back. Give me your ranking, Richard. We have five Praetors. Give me give me your one to one to five. Oh. Like so Urabras number Urabrass one, I think. One. Jingataxius two. Elishnorn Vorglex four, children five, but I think you just Ooh. cut off the list after two. <laughs> so you think the top two are the the, the top two the ones like the actually potential. stand some chance of seeing play, and then the the last three are like whatever. I I think I'm a little higher on children and Elish Norn than you are. Like I would probably go Urbrosk one, and then. Elish Norn and Shieldred kind of tied for two, and the like. I don't think <gasps> they're great, Jingataxius, three or greater, that mana value restriction makes me less excited to try to draw cards with the front side. And then Vorinclex, I guess, would be at the at the very, at the very bottom. What about compared to previous Praetors? Like <laughs> these are like holding up that class all alone. <laughs> they're pretty they're pretty weak compared to like previous iterations of Praetors, I would say. Yeah, well, these are more splashy. If there was, like, a slow standard or something, like, not even that, we yeah, are pretty standard slow, we're still grinding. Slow, yeah. But, like, I don't know. Like, if, if there was, like, some brewing tournament or something, you had to bring these in. Like, oh, they're, like, pretty, they do a lot of stuff. But I think they're oh. too fancy for, like, current standard. You can't I, even reanimate. I also, like, you can't reanimate the, the saga. Like, you can't cheat them somehow, right? You gotta go yeah. through all the hard work to get them into play. So it can't even be like an Atraxa where you're like, surprise, forget the mana value, right? So hmm. I I also have a little fear that we're underrating them and they're and we're gonna be looking back at this a year from now and I'm like, oh my god, they were all over standard and we're, no, we're idiots. Because one Doomblade does them all in. <laughs> right? Like that, that like that's like Urabrask, okay, right? But anything with a big activated ability, your opponent just removes in response and your game is over. So I I don't That's think we're true, but, them. But is it isn't this exactly what we said about Shielder the Apocalypse? Like, oh, it doesn't have a UTB, just gonna die to something, and then it broke okay. standard. That, That's, That's my one mana. Little bit of fear. Okay, what, what if I gave you an eight, <laughs> like a nine mana Shieldred? Surely dies the Doomblade must be a valid yeah. complaint, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that is that is fair. It is a lot of mana. Uh, so those are the Praetors. There's a ton of other cards, though. I got an uncommon I want to ask you about, Richard, because this uh, card has been creeping up in price from Vault Common. It's up to almost $5 now, and that's Surge of Salvation, which is one mana instant. <laughs> you and permanence you control gain Hexproof until end of turn. Prevent all damage that black or red sources would deal to creatures you control this turn. Is this deserving of the hype? This is getting, like, Veil of Summer-level hype. It was, like, some really staple card. I don't know if I'm seeing it or not. Like, it is it is good at protecting your stuff, but it doesn't say draw a card. Like, isn't that what made Veil of Summer so busted? Is it did all that stuff and didn't cost you a card? And that's why it was, like, a modern you know, legacy staple. Like, this this doesn't have the draw a card attached to it. Is this card, is this card overrated? 
Well, this card's the truth, Seth. <laughs> I can't believe they printed this. I can't believe they printed this. Like, they're like, Rakdos meta? Get out of here. Like, <laughs> let, let, let me show you mono white, like, wrath half your board, and you can't even do anything about it. You know, like, yeah. they attack. We're grindy, we're grindy standard, right? There's a lot of attacking and blocking, right? So you just block like oh surprise i can't take any damage this turn <laughs> your, your board is gone and even in the worst case all you do is just like one mana counter target removal spell that's really good right so yeah the, the only way this card does not see play is if white is not a real color to be playing surprise one of the best decks is white or yep. black and red are not played and surprise the rest of the meta is black and red so <laughs> i actually think this is veil of uh, so this is Veil of Summer level, like so sideboard for a Volstar, like you you wouldn't main would you main deck it? I think I think you can main deck it and get away with it. Yeah. Like, if, so mean, if, if the if the meta game is exactly as is, I would be very pleased main decking this card. Because it's not dead, right? It's one mana blossoming defense, essentially. Uh which you could definitely use. Uh, that's true the, the only problem is like invoke despair this like is sad face right like this doesn't stop what? the invoke but does it not oh no wait wait does, does it invoke it? target player or no oh, do, oh it stops invoke. oh then this card is insane hold on because you gain hex proof too invoke yeah, despair yeah. target opponent yeah so oh, this actually this, fizzles invoke too oh, this is gross <laughs> this is one oh, this is everyone buy your planes right now we, we're in a mono white meta that's that's yeah, disgusting, that... Seth. Someone plays Invoke Despair, you one mana surge of salvation. Yeah, okay. I guess this I guess this card's actually gonna be busted in standard. And the way it's worded too, like it prevents the damage from your opponent's stuff, but your stuff still deals damage. So like you were saying, if you have a big board of white stuff, or even just a bunch of spirited companions, like you can take down your opponent's shieldreds and blood tithe harvesters and all that stuff without losing anything. Fizzles invoke despair. Uh, it saves planeswalkers. It hits all your permanents. So it saves your wedding announcements. It saves your planeswalkers. Okay, I guess this card is, is deserving I, I of the hype. Was it Tamio safekeeping? Like, there's like a green <laughs> yeah. blossoming defense. Just for the blossoming defense, right? Like, you blow people out by just giving yourself hexproof. So, I'm, yeah, I, I thought we don't print like color hosers anymore. Seth. This, this, this seems abnormally cruel one. to rack those, <laughs> to rack those players. Well, okay, so what about outside of, what about outside of standard? Obviously, in standard, mono white versus Rakdos, the card's going to be good. Is this good enough to actually do the Veil of Summer thing and show up in older formats? Like, Rakdos is pretty popular in Pioneer. It's even pretty popular in in Modern at this point. Like, there's white decks, and you can splash it easy enough. Could this show up outside of Standard? I assume it would be Sideboard Maybe. card if it was going to make it. Yeah, it would be Sideboard card. Like we, we already have, like, those Blossoming Defense type things in all the other formats. So you're not really looking for this. Like, what could you do with this? You could block a Fury, but... Block a Fury. You could do that anyway with, like, lots of cards if you really wanted to do that. You get I mean, proof so that... Does that really do anything? Fizzles a, like a grape shot kill. Not that Storm is much of a thing anymore, <laughs> but, like, it would stop something. Like, maybe a Underworld Breach loop, like, potentially, depending on what the finisher is. It fizzles... It fogs an attack against... Just random you need block deck. though, right? So it doesn't prevent damage to you, just to creatures you control. Oh, oh, prevent all damage at black and red. Oh, you're right. So you do have to have a board. So 
if it did see play, I guess the other thing is in the decks that might want this, they also have Brave the Elements. And Brave the Elements is absurd in mono white decks because yeah. you make your whole team unblockable. So maybe this is just, yeah, maybe outside of standard, you just play Brave the Elements. This is something like you, the, I think the giving yourself hexproof has to be very important because I think that's yeah. the unique thing that you don't see too much. Yeah, like, so maybe in the right meta, if there's there's combo, if Storm comes back and like being able to give yourself hexproof is very relevant. I don't think that like fizzling a thought seize is enough. Like <laughs> what made Veil of Summer so good at that is you fizzle a thought seize and you draw a card. So you're like getting a two for one out of it. I don't think like spending a card to stop a thought seize is not nearly as appealing. Yeah. But I, I well, think, what about you see? I think this can see older format play in the right metas. What that meta is, I have yeah. no idea, but this seems reasonable but maybe brave the elements is just better for like white weedy decks well what else what else do we have on our list richard we got a big list of cards oh i gotta okay crocs and kuneros let's let's yeah. do that one because i gotta I, I me and crim talked about this during our standard top 10 i need you to weigh in and be the the tiebreaker oh no this i, I just look at this like cost it, it reminds me of what is that like dirge of service or something whatever that <laughs> rakdos dog was okay three oh. red white black <laughs> 6-6, six, six, Legendary Creature, Elder Giant Dog, Vigilance, Menace, Lifelink. Uh, when it ETBs or attacks, you may exile five cards from your graveyard. When you, when you do, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Ooh. All right, so Richard, I'm not going to say anything. Give me your evaluation of this card. I want to see, see what you think. For standard, for standard in specific. Unplayable. What did Grim say? What did you say? I had this as one of my like top three cards for standard on our list. Like so you I have had this to, really high. You have to exile five cards from your graveyard. Then from yeah. the remainder of your graveyard, you can reanimate something. Yep. yep. When it ETBs. Okay, wait. Okay, maybe not unplay it. Wait, no, it's six mana though. It's a six mana six six. This is a lot of work I mean, just to get a reanimation. <laughs> Okay, so so my thinking is, like, people are already reanimating stuff in Standard. You already see, like, Atroxa being reanimated. This is a 6-6 six, six lifelinker with a ton of other attacks. Like, if your reanimate gets shut down, you're pretty sad. But this leaves behind a pretty good, like, decent body, at least. It's leaving behind something. And then it can still be reanimating your Crocs or whatever. I know, five cards exile. But that didn't stop literal Kroxa or the escape mechanic from being really good like we we had uro was busted Kroxa still sees play back to modern so i don't know but i i think this is going to be just like it does something right away it leaves behind a big body and it can be reanimating your i i it's not going to snowball i don't think it's realistic to be like oh this is etb triggering and then the next turn i attack and it triggers you're not going to have enough cards in your graveyard but even as a one shot like come down reanimate one thing leave behind a six six vigilance menace lifelink I don't know. I I don't know why I'm so high on this card. Krim, like, so, laughed at me. He was like, yeah. oh, there's no way. The, <laughs> like, you have to exile five cards. So you need to, like, really turbo mill yourself. And then... That's true. The problem is your opponent also plays Graveyard Hate. So, like, you really need to be milling yourself like crazy. It seems like... At, at, at six man, why don't you just cast the thing you're trying to reanimate? You know what I mean? Like, like it's almost so expensive that, like, who cares at this point? And the, the thing with, like, uh, the reanimation we're seeing today is, like, you have one card in the graveyard, you reanimate it. Like, you don't need to be a reanimator deck, right? Like, you just go uh, Fable, discard Titan or something, reanimate it, you're good. But this one, you got to play, like, two Seder Wayfinders or something and then reanimate. 
and hope your opponent didn't play graveyard hate in response. Um, I guess and that's it's three colors it's, and it's six hmm. mana. It's like Mardu, like you're Mardu reanimator too, right? You can't even play, you know, random colors like, you know, the 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 Gix saga, right? So I think this is way more work. That is that is a good point. So I think that you're right that one of the ways you see Atroxa or Titan Industry getting reanimated is like uh, nothing in the graveyard or nothing important in the graveyard. Discard it, Fable, reanimate it. Activate a blood token, reanimate it right away. So you're like not keeping your reanimation target in the graveyard to have it a, a, give it a chance to get got by Graveyard Trespass or whatever. This card really needs that critical mass. So even if that Graveyard Trespasser is sniping just whatever random cards that's going to be able to minimize the the opportunity to reanimate with this because you just might not have enough cards in the graveyard so maybe it's uh, maybe it's less good than i give it credit for what there's also infinite... though in mardu i'm just playing atroxa like i think the man is good enough you go five colors you're reanimating atroxa i don't even care you just cast atroxa <laughs> if you're gonna be doing this <laughs> But I, you reanimate this, and then that reanimates Atroxa, and then life is really good. Also, there is an infinite combo with it. There's uh, Altar of Dementia. You can play this, trigger on the stack, sack it to Altar of Dementia, and then use it to reanimate itself. And then just mill your entire deck in Thassa's Oracle for the win. So we'll see if that that could matter in an older format. But <laughs> I don't know about your seven mana <laughs> two-card combo, Seth. Hmm. Oh, okay. I, I got another one I got to ask you about, Richard, because you got you to gotta tell me if this card's good. And that card is Ancient Imperiosaur. Oh, no. This is my weakness. <laughs> is is this card good? So 7 mana 6-6. Six, six. It's a dinosaur with Convoke. Trample War 2. It ETBs with 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it for each creature that convoked it. <laughs> I mean... So if it's you huge. fully convoke this, it's a 2020. Like if you have seven creatures, fully convoke, it's a literal one-shot kill with trample and ward. Like it is huge. Even if you convoke three or four creatures, it's gonna be a 12-12 or a 14-14. It's got ward, so it's got protection. Like, is this a is this a real card, Richard? No, even though I really oh, like it. No? You think it's I a real like, it like war two is no, barely protection. I, and it doesn't have no. haste. No, I, I don't think it's like I think people I get really caught up to on be the real card. <laughs> Me too. I'm I'm with you on this one. Like this card's sweet. I one of my favorite designs from the set, but the floor is pretty low. Like I think it's easy to get caught up on the the upside case of like, oh, I make all these tokens and then I play this and maybe I have something that like gives my modified creatures haste or whatever. I just one shot kill them. It's gonna be amazing. But we forget that, like, oh, we're in a standard with, like, Farewells and uh, uh, the new Invasion of Fjord. There's a ton of wrath. Like, if your opponent keeps the other bodies off the battlefield, this card's downright bad, right? Like, seven mana for a 6-6 six, six with Trample and Reward is, like, you're in Colossal Dreadmaw meme territory. Worse than Colossal Dreadmaw, arguably, at that point. So I think it's... <sighs> I think it's not going to be consistent enough. I'm going to build a deck around it. Like, I'm going to build an against odds deck and try to one-shot people, and it's going to be hilarious, but I would be surprised if it was actually a competitive card. It needs haste. I, if it yeah. had haste, you could be talking. Because there's, there's like, token decks, right? You could actually yeah. do this, but then you just make a big dirty, and then people just pay, like, two more mana and kill it. Like, it's, oh, it's not the, the end of the world, right? <laughs> 
What's the what's the enchantment? Uh, hot springs, invigorating hot springs. The the modifying enchantment that just gives your modified creatures haste. Eh, eh. You need one extra card, but wait, wait. You can play rabbit, the rabbit, because it can convoke yeah. and equip to give haste. Right. That's like a <laughs> that's like double the synergy. <laughs> oh, it's actually kind of good. Hmm. It is actually pretty good. I, but then I mean, it is. You massive. need tokens though, so you need to go into white or green so you get like naya tokens so like wait let's think about this so turn one you play a creature turn two you play a creature turn three whatever creatures so turn four you tap all three creatures you spend your four mana turn four 12 12 trample ward two that's not not good enough i, well, you, you, I you guess someone just right? plays a shield turn two, you or play uh resolute reinforcements or yeah, yeah right or the but that but does that really change it? Like if it's a a fourteen fourteen instead of a twelve twelve, does that actually change its playability? <laughs> and then they're like children block. I have death touch. Okay, oh, yeah, that death uh, touch is brutal against it. <sighs> I'm surprised how many dinosaurs are in this set. There's a lot of there's it, a lot it was of a secret dinosaurs. dinosaur set that the wizards didn't tell us about. All right, uh, I'm sad. Seth, this is one of my favorite cards though. I, I, I really love like Timmy cards. <laughs> are you gonna Are you gonna commander it? Can you make it work in commander at least? I think you can because all you do this is then you like Garrick to draw like twenty cards. <laughs> like, oh yeah! Like, can you attack with that. this? I have no idea, right? But you could definitely make a big <laughs> one and then draw like a billion cards in green. <laughs> and then even if it dies, what do you care? You yeah. already You already did its thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, okay, how about Zergo and Ojitai? So, two blue, red, white. Five mana, four, four, flying haste. Uh, has hexproof as long as it entered the battlefield this turn. When one or more dragons you control do combat damage to a player or battle, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. You may return one of those dragons to its owner's hand. This has got to be good, right? Is this uh, is this really? Do we live in a world where this card is not good? Like it's OG Ojitai, like Dragonlord Ojitai, except you trade in future hexproof by leaving untapped for immediately getting the anticipate mode. That's got to be. Is it? Is, is this OG card really Ojitai like way better though? <laughs> like that that card was like oppressive. This is. Is it? So the, the beauty of it is you just leave it untapped. So you're, usually it's a control finisher, right? So you leave it untapped until you have all the counter spells or interaction that your opponent can't deal with your Ojitai anymore. And then you start attacking. This so one, you just sit back and... Yeah, yeah, this one gets it attacking, but then it's vulnerable afterwards, right? So it but doesn't you, no, well, perform the same You can role. bounce it. You can bounce it back to your hand and spend five mana the next turn to do it again. Five mana anticipate. <laughs> it's like a ball lightning, yeah. <laughs> you get four damage out of it. I mean, there is some dragon support. Are like dragons the, at standard? Uh, the dragon battle is really good. Invasion of Tarkir, the removal one that like powers up based oh, yeah, yeah. on how many dragons you have. So like that's, yeah. well, if you have some Zergo and Ojitai, it's, a, it's like more of a lightning bolt, but still. So there's some reasons to play dragons. So you don't think this could just be like a, a good mid-range card? I guess Jeskai's not a mid-range color we really have in standard, yeah. I mean, I could see it being reasonable, but I don't know if it's Ojitai. Like, do you it, need to build around this card at all? Like that's like you didn't have to build around Ojitai whatsoever, right? Do we 
If this is the only dragon in your deck, are you happy about this? I mean, I'm having a hard time envisioning what Jeskai would look like in standard. Monastery <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it seems powerful. Comes down, hits for four. I mean, I guess you got to dodge big Rafines, AOs or Ows or whatever, Archfina draws. Like, I guess if this is getting not able to get in that first attack, then it's pretty bad. And maybe there's enough big flyers around that it just wouldn't get in that attack. What if it triggers a battle immediately? Because, like, it's flying Ooh. pace 4-4. Four, four. So does that change anything? Ooh. You can flip the, the dragon battle invasion of Tarkir and get, the, get another dragon. Eh, okay. I mean, sniping a battle is an upside. You get a pretty good dragon out of the back of a 4-4 that shot, lets all your dragons shock when they attack. So maybe maybe there's like Jeskai dragons. I don't think there's any other payoffs for it. What about Commander? Would you play this in like Ur-Dragon? Would you just jam this in a dragon tribal deck or is it not exciting enough? So if you hit with five dragons, you get one Anticipate, right? You don't get yeah. five Anticipates. One or more deals combat damage to a player or bat. Wait, what about commander? If you hit three opponents, would you be getting? Would you be getting three anticipates? I think you get three anticipates. That's pretty good, right? Or like, wow, does it work that way with battles? Like, if there's a bunch of battles, can you hit multiple battles and anticipate for each of them? If that's how it works, then it gets a little more exciting. <laughs> how many dragons do you have? <laughs> I have yeah. four people, three battles. Yeah. It's like seven. Yeah, five dragons, a bunch of battles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not killing my opponent because I'm attacking my battles. <laughs> they would be dead, but... <laughs> I mean, that seems good in Commander. If it triggers for each opponent, then I yeah. would play this in basically any dragon deck. Triple anticipate's actually legit. Yeah. You can also bounce yeah. dragons, right? So you can bounce dragons with like good ETBs. Mmm, Bogren Hellkite or Atarka. Yeah. Okay, I could I could see that. I can see that. What about what about a what about Felucranos, Richard? Yeah, I was gonna ask you because Felucranos is like one of our uh famous named yeah, characters rotates. that's always in standard. <laughs> well, except Unchained. Unchained kinda sucked. I guess only the first one was ever good. But uh Unchained green, saw a little play, but yeah. Green, green, green. So three mana, four, five, reach, seven mana, so six, and then Phyrexian White. So six mana uh minimum. Transform Pelucranos. Backside. Six six reach lifelink. Uh when it or another non-token hydra you control dies. Create a 3-3 green or white Phyrexian Hydra creature token with reach and a 3-3 green white Phyrexian Hydra token with lifelink. The backside's like Worm Coil, basically. <laughs> it's very, it's worm very close to a Worm Coil. Lifelink instead of death, uh, death Touch and Lifelink. Which I think is an upgrade, right? Like, I think is I'd it? rather have reach. I think I'd rather have reach than death. I mean, on the token, death touch would be better, but on Plucrodos itself, I think yes. reach is more of an upside. Yes, I think I agree with that. So surely this it, has to be good. <laughs> the problem is it's green, green, green. Is there a deck that wants to play green, 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 and then still have in white standard? But I guess you don't. You don't need the white though. You can just play. You don't need the white. Yeah. Even Frexia mana. I, I was so hyped about mono green after last set, and I was like, boy, green's a big winner. Like, look at all these pieces, and then it is still horrible. So I don't want to get my hopes too high about standard. It just, like, green just can't keep up with the grindy metagame. Like, it just can't do it. I don't know if Pelucranos changes that. 
I uh, hope this, it does. This is still bad, I think, because of white. <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> with Wandering Emperor and uh, whatever the source the plowshares is, like, this, this, like, reads as nothing, right? <laughs> I will say, Pioneer, this is probably really good. Like, this seems really good in the Nykthos decks, like Mono Green Devotion. Yes. I think you can cut, like, Lovestruck Beast or whatever from that list and play this. It just straight up beats Mono Red. Like, if if you... Uh, mono Green Devotion can easily flip this, and this is a card that you just play it and flip it, and, like, Aggradax are going to lose to the Worm Coil, and it's adding the mana symbols to the battlefield. So I think this might actually be at its best in, in Pioneer, honestly, or Explorer, more so than Standard. Someone also pointed out, which is kind of cute, and I might build this Commander list, but someone pointed out it being a sweet Hydra Commander, because a lot of Hydras are... Oh, zero like zeros. That. Yeah. So you can play your Hydras and just have them die intentionally to get the tokens from this or like reanimate them and have them die because there are zero zeros to make a ton of tokens. So there's some like cool tricks, I think, that uh, you could build a commander deck out of. So uh, Seth, I'm sad. So oh, you're no. at the beginning of the podcast. I'm like, surely there's so many strong and powerful cards that surely the meta must look different after three sets. There's no way. We have like Fable, Wandering Emperor, Shouldered <laughs> Meta, right? But <laughs> after reading all these cards, we're like, it's so good. Except, <laughs> except you can't beat like one mana source the plowshares in standard. <laughs> or you can't beat Wandering Emperor. Um, I mean, so the meta is probably like, okay. So I it's think it's going to change, so right? There's so many new cards that are so we'll strong. See, we'll see some new things, I think. But I think... I would not be surprised if the the meta stays more or less the same. I feel like last set, the meta stayed mostly the same, right? Yes. Like, we got some additions to decks, like some new cards in archetypes, but it didn't, like, wholesale change the meta. I think this might be another one of those sets. We got to remember, we're at, like, max standard size. Like, the next set after this is rotation. So, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not holding... Unless battles are, like really the truth and like way more impactful than anyone thinks and they just totally change everything i don't know do you think we're gonna see a whole new meta based on this set i'm expecting additions to the top tier archetypes more so and and maybe a new deck or two more so than like full-on upheaval brand new standard I, I i thought we would see a new standard because when i when i read the spoilers i'm like oh these cards are like extremely powerful but the cards we have in standard are more powerful. <laughs> like that's, I think that's the problem. Like if Pelucranos can't see play, what are we going to do here? Like what, what is green ever going to do if we can't get Pelucranos going, right? Oh, I mean, things are going to look, things are going to look a ton different though. Once rotation happens, like, yes, I don't think, Kamigawa gets the credit it deserves for as strong as it is. I, it's a beloved set. Everyone loves the return to Kamigawa, but the power level of that set actually ended up being way higher than I expected with wedding announcements and fables, even like AO and the rest of the legendary dragons. It ended up just being a really, really strong set. So I think we're going to see a, a full scale changeover once rotation happens. But in the short term, I don't know. I think this set's powerful, but is it Kamigawa powerful? I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> Kamigawa powerful. I'm like, that's a thing. But I, I think it hinges but. on battles and like how much they change the game. Because if they're actually yeah. like really broken, then it'll pull people into different colors. But yeah, I see mono white 
winning dramatically coming out of this off the back of <laughs> whatever that one mana card is. Like, it's like you give the best deck and you're like, here, have this card that auto wins against decks like two to five, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and then you gonna, what are you going to do? Get challenged by the tier four decks? Okay, right? So <laughs> I think white really comes ahead from this. But the battles could shift things around, I think. Uh, and I, we're going to... And I think we got to play with the battles. They're just so unique that it's really difficult to. I run into this a couple of times. I've, I did a tier list of them that's up on the YouTube and a big article on the site that if you check it out. But they're tricky cards to evaluate because they just play differently than than anything we've seen before. So they could end up being even better than we expect. But uh, so, Richard, I think that is all the time we have for spoilers. But can we sneak in a, in a fish mail maybe? All right. If you have questions, send it at MG Goldfish, and we'll answer them on air. Uh, use the hashtag MDGFishMail. Uh, Lemon Logan, with battles introduced, will this push the viability of Proliferate to help defend them? I mean, Proliferate gets better, right? I guess. Like, I, I, I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see. We were just talking about this. How good are battles? How impactful are they? I don't think I would play bad proliferate cards just to add counters to my opponent's battles, but it's a nice a nice little bonus if you happen to be an archetype that can use proliferate cards. Yeah. Or is it? I don't know. It depends if you count on the battles flipping or not. If you're not really counting on them flipping, then your opponent proliferating them <laughs> like doesn't really matter. Also, it's just That's one. also true. It like, is, you could just it is only a chump blocker or something, so... It'll be interesting to see. Um, Sebi DC three two four four with team up cards being released on March the Machine. What is your dream team up card? Ooh, <laughs> Yar Yarak and Elish Norn. We need a triple Panharmonicon. <laughs> Wizards, Wizards likes tripling stuff, but they haven't tripled Panharmonicons yet. <laughs> I, I I don't like. The, the team ups with like two strong characters. They're like already so strong. Like, why you gotta team up? So I, I need like the the spirited companion <laughs> Kithkin team up or something. <laughs> Just two no name like <laughs> like underdogs, right? And yeah. then they team up to try to take on big baddie children. Like if, if you're that already would... top of the meta, you don't need to team up with anyone else. You're, you're good, right? Well, let's team yeah. up some of the, the smaller, the smaller fries. Yeah, Squire and Spirited Companion, something like that. <laughs> uh, okay, last question. Eleven Vicious. We haven't talked about this uh, recently. Given the state of Magic and its trend, serialized cards uh, are appearing more frequently. Do you think these cards will maintain their value or really go the way of the foil and lose any special meaning it once had? So, you know, it's the big one, one ring, one of one. But also, there were like all those numbered soul rings or whatever in Lord of the Rings, and they're adding serialized cards everywhere. Is there a point to any of this, Seth? Or are there so many serialized cards that it doesn't matter? <laughs> I think there's a point now. Although we did just find out that I don't even think Wizards announced this, but people started opening packs and they're serialized Praetors from March of the Machines, like one of 500 or something, like the new Elish Norn. So it seems like it's going to be in every set. So I think there's a point for now because they're new and they're fresh. But I also think that the point in the long term, I'm not really sure if it's going to be there. Because I expect what's going to happen is if Wizards keeps doing this every set, 
eventually it's going to lose its specialness a little bit. Everything's going to be serialized. Some cards are probably going to be serialized multiple times with different art. We've seen this with secret layer drops and other promo printings where like, that's what I ran into when I opened the worm coil. I was like, wow, this card's like really valuable and right now, but how do I know they're not going to do another serialized worm coil that's even more hyped and has even cooler art a year or two from now or a secret layer drop with this art? So I don't know. I'm skeptical long term that it's going to end up mattering. I think it's fun for now, but I don't I, I, I don't know. What do you think, Richard? Is this actually like rev- revolutionizing magic finance? I think they've already killed it. If they did like one ring as the only serialized card, then uh, it'd be great. I think One Ring will still be very popular because it's Lord of the Rings. Like, how many more serialized Lord of the Rings cards do you think you'll see? But, like, yeah. the Worm Coil, I think, is meaningless. Uh, this reminds me of Full Art Lands. Like, you remember the good old <laughs> days, right? Like, yep. go back 10 years. Remember, like, oh, my God, Full Art Zendikar Lands. They're, like, <laughs> two bucks a pop. We got to buy them. Like, they're, like, so hot. Like, who plays with, like, you know, these trash basics? We need Full Arts. Uh, fast forward 10 years, like, Full Art in every set. You throw them out now, they're like garbage. Like you, you could probably find them in like draft chaff, uh, <laughs> you know, land sets now, right? They're everywhere. They yeah. lost meaning. Uh, I think serialize is the same because like there, there's two factors. One, you don't know if worm coil will be played forever, right? Because the the meta shifts so much. It's not like a dual land where you're kind of guaranteed it'll be good forever. But like you said, there's nothing stopping another worm coil. Like you're sure this set's worm coil is one of 500 but maybe they make a secret layer worm coil that's 10 of 10 right or they yeah. they get whatever hot and upcoming new magic artist that's your favorite artist to make a worm coil right in the secret layer mm-hmm. now what right so i i think they're basically full arts at this point they, i think they've already somehow like like six months after the introduction they've already <laughs> like saturated serialized cards <laughs> do you think it could ever go full circle like could we ever get to the point where like just a normal non-foil pack version is the most exciting version because there's so much other stuff going on and there's like draft boosters or scarce collector boosters or all foils. Like, could we get to the point where just like what used to be the worst printing is actually the most exciting in demand printing? Oh, it's already happened, Seth. Let me, let, me, let me tell you a bug I never thought I'd have to fix on Goldfish. So on Goldfish, <laughs> when you hover a deck, uh, mm-hmm. it, it shows you the cheapest printing of a card. Right. And for Magic's history, like 99.9% of the time, that was like the basic, the the basic set version of the newest set. However, uh, maybe starting a year ago, a lot of times that was filled with a Phyrexian language card, right? <laughs> Which means like people uh were did not want Phyrexian language cards or like special promo versions of cards, right? You see this with other promo versions as well. Like sometimes a showcase card shows up. They're paying more for the base set version of the card. Uh, because for a Phyrexian language, like they just cannot read the card or maybe the showcase frame is like too distracting. They just want the base version. So we already have cases where the base version is more expensive than the exclusive set booster slash collector booster promo versions. Uh, and yeah, there, there's yeah. like some purists, right? They're, they're like, oh, I don't want this serial, serial number on my card, right? They don't match. Yeah. Remember when we tried to match all our cards? <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. Now you're like, oh. but the that, that's your second worm coil you drew because the, the previous one was 42 of 500, but this yeah. one is 62 of 500. You know, like we we, we used to yeah, play yeah. matching cards to get an edge over our opponents, right? So I can yeah, see that happening. 
<laughs> giving away too much information with those serialized cards. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the real information is they're going to bug you in the parking lot after this match. Yeah, that, right? that's <laughs> yeah, that's a real downside. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Richard, if people want to send in uh, fish mail for next week, how should they uh, go about that? All right. Send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 428 of MTG Goldfish Podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about well, our first impressions of March of the Machine Standard after early access day and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, everyone, have a great week. And this is the crew signing out. Bye.